Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to another week of the Yards After College podcast. This is KSL Sports Home for all things former Utah high school or college athletes that are now in the NFL. It's a great podcast. If you haven't heard it, well, you're listening to it now and you're going to enjoy this. It's Kyle Ireland and myself, Sam Farnsworth, bringing this to you uh, every week. And we've got a couple of, we've got, we've got a lot of great things to talk about this week. We've got, uh, once again, I think it's great. The three stars of the week, which I will crown once again this week, my three stars of the week uh, out of our local players. But we've got a couple of Zachs that are going to top off the show in Zach Moss and Zach Wilson, the former Utah running back and former BYU quarterback. And I say, I think, I think we start with the quarterback on this one, uh, Kyle. Zach Wilson of the New York Jets had a little bit of adversity this past week in his game. And uh, I mean, this is part of the whole growing process of an NFL quarterback, yet this yeah. is New York. And there isn't always a lot of patience in New York, is there? Well, that's the thing, Sam, is like, he was drafted with the second overall pick a year and a half ago. It's not like it was that long ago that he was taken in the draft. And the fact that, you know, he went to the Jets where they've just, they've had a, a terrible last decade or so, right? Like, I mean, what was it? The 2009 season was the last time they, they really did anything when they went to the AFC championship game, I believe, with Mark Sanchez. And I mean, that just seems like so long ago in what's happened in the NFL. So, you're already going into a heightened environment when it's, it's a team that's, you know, been struggling. Then you add on top of that, that it's New York, the number one market in the entire country. And, you know, Zach's, if, if there was anybody that was built to like go into that situation to succeed personality wise, I would say it would be Zach Wilson, you know, just the way that he carried himself and handled things while he was at BYU. I mean, he went through similar you know, ups and downs, roller coasters, so to speak, when he was at BYU, where he, you know, dealt with injury, broke his hand, uh, finger there, um, you know, went through a little bit of, I guess the fan base kind of turned on him to some extent at one point where, you know, people at BYU tend to call for the backup, backup quarterback uh, <laughs> quite often, right? And so, I mean, there was talk about, you know, oh, Jaron Hall should be, you know, getting more reps or whatever. And nobody had even seen Jaron Hall at that point in time. Right. It's so like th this is all stuff that Zach has kind of been around just at a much lower level um, when he was in college. And so uh, you look at what he what he did going into this season. There was a lot of hype put on him as he kind of, you know, midway through last year, 
and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but like last year, he has that leg injury midway through the season. He misses about a month and then he comes back. And I thought he looked a lot better when he came back than when he initially started this season, Sam. And then that kind of led me and I feel like a lot of other people to believe that Zach was going to take a jump this season. You know, the, there's always, I wrote this story on Monday on Halloween about Zach needing to kind of step up his game in the second half of the season. But there is that cliche, right? That there's always like the second year jump with players because, you know, they come into the league thinking that they're going to take everything by storm. And then they realize the speed of the professional game, whether it's the NBA or NFL, you know, whatever we're talking about. And with Zach, you know, he, he had a lot of hype going into the season and it all of a sudden was extinguished. All that, you know, firepower going into the off or from the offseason going into the preseason when he gets hurt in the first preseason game of the year. And then, you know, kind of deflates Jets fans where they're like, oh, great. Like, we're going to have another bad season. And they start off the year one and two with Joe Flacco, who's 45 or whatever he is now. I mean, I know he's not 45, <laughs> but like he's old. Right. And so nobody's yeah. expecting them to do anything. Right. But then Zach comes in and they win four games in a row before they lose this last week in week eight. So it's not like they've had a bad record with Zach, but you look at these numbers, Sam, they're not anything to write home about. I mean, like he's, he's not playing like lights out, but they're also four and one with him on the field. So like how much of it is Zach's costing them, you know, as like they're winning in spite of Zach at this point, as opposed to like winning because of Zach. Right. I I I think some of the criticism is probably justified to an extent because if there isn't any, then um, you know, I, I, at least I'm one to believe that where there's criticism, there's usually room for improvement, and there's a reason. Uh, maybe it, not that you need much to be motivated about to you know. I don't know that Zach needs any more motivation, but it helps, I guess, when there's a little bit of that to want to be better than he is and to continue to improve. The worst thing you can do is get complacent in the NFL and already in his second year, I don't think he he's, he's at that. Right. But um, it, I'm, I'm just pulling up one, one comparison here. And I know, I know it's so hard to compare generations in the NFL because nowadays that's what the game is all about. It's about throwing the ball, right? The quarterback is a huge part of it. Um, 30, 40 years ago is a lot more about running the football. And, um, but I, I always like to to do the the numbers comparisons, and I'm thinking of another former BYU quarterback who was on a very good football team that won a lot of games in the '80s. Jim McMahon, who won a Super Bowl with the Bears. Look at his statistics: uh, 2,300 yards passing is nothing for a season to to get too right. thrilled about. Even even in the '80s, uh, 15 touchdowns to 11 picks for the entire season. Okay, even in the '80s that that's nothing fantastic yeah they had walter payton back there uh doing his thing but he won football games he knew what he had to do as a quarterback when to make the right plays as a quarterback to win football games now i'm not saying zach wilson jimmy you know i'm just i'm just giving you an idea of look that was his fourth year i think in the nfl too by then and so zach wilson if if you're if you're a fan of of any team, you got to have patience with development of any player. And I know it's tough in New York, but Zach Wilson, I still think, is showing those signs every single week. Were his interceptions bad? Interceptions they weren't great. They still moved the ball pretty good. Three hundred fifty yards passing is nothing to to get up too upset about, right? Uh, he had a couple of touchdown passes. That what disturbed me a little bit it was some of those. Um, 
you know, he when he's trying to throw the ball out of bounds and it's getting intercepted instead. Right. You know, that that's okay. You got some work to do. But if you're if you're already ready to get give up on Zach Wilson, then I feel bad because you're in in a very long, um, just trend. It, it, it's 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 going to be a huge process to find the right answer because, like you said, Joe Flacco. I remember when he came to Denver, he just looked like he was there to collect a paycheck. And I still feel like he's, he's kind of that way, even though he's (laughs) somewhat productive, he's kind of at that point of his career. He's just, you know, how long can I milk this thing for? And he wasn't even amazing when they won the Super Bowl. It was like their defense was amazing. Right. So like, he's never been the, the Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like top tier quarterback in the NFL. I want to go back to what you just said there, Sam, when you talked about, him making those decisions where he's trying to throw the ball out of bounds, but ends up throwing an interception because I think that he mentioned that on his second of his three interceptions in week eight, that he was trying to, you know, just get the ball out of bounds last year. You, you kind of would expect, you know, as a rookie to come in and be like, Hey, like I had that amazing throw at BYU's pro day and everybody loves me and thinks that I've just got like these, this amazing rock of an arm, which he does. Like, I mean, he showed that even in the loss to the Patriots, like he had a couple of deep balls where you're just like, my gosh, like it's Aaron Rodgers esque where he just like flicks his wrist and it goes 50 yards down the field. And you're like, <laughs> right. that's, a, that's unbelievable talent, right? It's where as a rookie, you think that you can come in and you can make all those winning plays that you made in college because you were just better than everybody else. And then now you're having to kind of realize like, I, I have the talent to be able to do that, but I like, I have to be accurate now as opposed to just like, eh, I'll just like let my wide out go down and make a play. Right. Like I've still got to hit it on, on target. You got to be in a window where it, it feels like almost like he's learning. Like I can't do those things, but his instincts, he's still trying to like overcome his instincts where on those plays where he's trying to throw it out of bounds last split second, he's like, but maybe if I did this, I can actually get it in there as opposed to just mm-hmm. like being like, I know that I need to throw this one out of bounds. Cause like, it's almost like his brain is trying to like overcome his muscle memory from playing football forever. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know, here's my, my biggest takeaway. All right. Is that he still has the support of his head coach. Now I don't think any head coach is going to go out and publicly like, just be like, God, this guy played terrible or anything like that. You know, every now and then the coach picks the right moments to call out a player, but uh, Robert Sala did say that, uh, um, you know, no one would have guessed the Jets would have had five wins at this point in the season. And he did say that Zach Wilson's a big part of the reason why they right. have five wins right now. And so they're going to keep writing. Look, I will save judgment until the end of season two. And then we can compare season one to season two. Was there growth? Was there pro- progression? Were there signs that there can continue to be growth and progression in season three that's what i'm waiting to to find out about with zach wilson so yeah i i just think that like one last thing i know that we're we're gonna move on here from this but like just one last thing is like you look at his like some of his stats like he had 355 yards in that loss to the patriots which like that looks awesome you look at it he had like a long of 63 he had like another 50 yard pass or something like that but then the two games before that like and I wrote this in that article on kslsports.com is that first game against the Steelers, he throws for 252, the next game 210. And those are the games where you would expect him to be kind of shaking off some rust with coming back from that injury where he tore his meniscus, had that bone bruise. 
I'm not expecting them to win those games. I'm just expecting him to get his legs underneath him. And then kind of, you know, three, four or five games into being able to be playing, he's going to start taking that jump. Right. And I believe we talked about that earlier in the season on the pot on the podcast here is that, you know, he's, he's not going to be expected to take that jump initially. It's the fact that like, he's starting to like be where I want him to take that jump and he's throwing for 110 yards. I'm like, what NFL quarterback throws for 110 yards in 2022, right? Like that to me is where he needs to take that step where I'm sorry, like Elijah Moore can be talking about you after the game and saying that he doesn't have a relationship with you and like be complaining and all that stuff. And like, you know, he just Zach himself has to be better. He needs to be the one to make those steps. He's got enough pieces around him at this point where he should be throwing for more than 110 yards in a game. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. No, I agree 100%. He's got to learn where to take more risk and, and not be so conservative on these two and three yard pass plays, right? Yeah, you can read uh, everything that, that Kyle read about it. If you go to the KSLsports.com page, scroll down a little bit, you'll see a locals in the NFL section. A lot of great content there, including this article on Zach Wilson. Now, Let's talk about the other Zach because Zach Moss, former Utah running back, is a guy who his time uh, I think was running out, but maybe he's got some new life. He was traded as the NFL trade deadline came along. His name popped up. It was a bit of a surprise to me. I guess I wasn't shocked or anything, but uh, a surprise that there was interest in acquiring him as well. Uh, He's heading off to the Indianapolis Colts, taking a, a spot that, you know, as I don't know where he's at in the depth chart, but I was looking at their depth chart and the guy who left was the second running back. So is this yeah. where Zach's going to fit in uh, behind Jonathan Taylor? Is this a good fit for Zach Moss, Kyle? I mean, I think it's a better fit than him being in Buffalo. He clearly was, you know, out of the rotation to this point in the season, right? Uh, he's only carried the ball 17 times so far this season. Yeah. And we're halfway through the year. And you look at what he did as a rookie, he had 112 carries. So, I mean, his production has gone yeah. down significantly. They haven't been utilizing him, which was kind of interesting to me because I thought when they originally drafted him out of Utah in 2020, you know, you had Devin Singletary and like, I was like, not impressed by him at all. So I'm like, oh, Zach's going to come in a year in or whatever, maybe halfway through his <laughs> rookie year. He's going to be the starting running back. You know, like I totally saw that like trajectory for him. And it's kind of what I felt with like Tyler Algier with the Falcons this year where I'm like, okay, like he's not going to be the starter initially, but like, I see a path to that for him. Right. And so it it was kind of disappointing to, to watch how things, you know, played out in Buffalo because they draft James cook and he's starting to get more run. And it seemed like Zach all of a sudden became instead of the backup, he's all of a sudden fourth string, not getting any playing time. You mentioned the Colts. Uh, They traded Naheem Hines, their second running back. Who's kind of like, He's one of those backs that's more of like a slot receiver. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't really use him like as the main lead back. Um, they did a couple weeks ago with Jonathan Taylor when he was out, but they also had Deion Jackson. Um, he's the other running back on the depth chart now. And it looks like for week nine, uh, Zach's going to be the number three. And I would just say that that's probably Makes because sense. he's passing his physical on, what is it, yeah. the Thursday before game day. So he's only got he a few yeah, he doesn't know any of the plays. So, like, give him a couple of weeks, and I think that he's going to be in the rotation. If he's not number two, he's going to be number three, but I think he'll, he'll get carries, especially with Jonathan Taylor, who has been dealing with the sprained ankle. 
He aggravated mm-hmm. that again in week eight. And so yeah. there's going to be more of a need for Indianapolis to have some guys behind Taylor and Zach Moss. I mean, he's a talented guy. I mean, we all know what he can do, what he did at Utah breaking records there. I mean, he put up a lot of, a lot of numbers for the Utes. And, uh, you know, I think that it's more about opportunity than talent for him. I think that he's got the talent. He just needs to have the chance to put it on the field. Yeah. You talked about the, uh, the decline in opportunities. I mean, just this season alone, if you look at the five games in Buffalo, he, he yeah. had uh, six rush attempts and six receptions in the first week. And it's gone substantially down, you know, to three, to four, to three, to one. Uh, as far as carries go, just one carry. Last last Sunday, uh, what was it? One carry. Not last Sunday. This was, uh, our, I'm looking at the wrong week. I'm, let's go back to the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game. He had one yeah. carry for seven yards. He played just 16 snaps right and and so the writing was on the wall that that his use was just not going to be there anymore with this with this team and so I think this is a great opportunity for him um going to Indianapolis I think if this doesn't ignite a fire in him to prove that he's an NFL back to to kind of breathe new life into him then uh by the time his rookie deal is up he might be done in the NFL so this I think he understands how big of an opportunity this is for him and uh, I hope he can uh, make the most of it as well. Sam, how much of that do you think has to do with Buffalo's offense and the way they utilize their running backs? Because you see that with Singletary and James Cook and Isaiah McKenzie, and now they're going to definitely use it with Naheem Hines because that's what Indianapolis used right. him for was getting him out in the open, get him in the flat, uh, he, he checked down over the middle, those kinds of things where I don't feel like Zach – it's not that he can't do that, but that's not his specialty. Like he's not a, like a right. receiving back. Like some of these other smaller guys, like Zach is a power back. Like he's a, Hey, I'm on the goal line. He, he's very much like Jamal Williams in that way, relating to another local guy. Um, You know, where he, Hey, it's third and goal. Like let's put Zach on the, on the goal line and hand him the ball, get the one yard up the gut. That's what I see Zach doing. And I think the Indianapolis will utilize him in that way, as opposed to being like, Hey, we're going to throw a swing pass to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, he's still this season, he still averages about five yards per carry. So this is a look, we know where his strengths are. I agree. I don't think his strengths quite fit with Buffalo. Hopefully they do with Indianapolis. So, hey, fingers crossed that Zach Moss's future in the NFL is still a bright one and still somewhat of a lengthy one. Uh, Kyle, what do you say? Should should we do these uh, stars of the week? Hey, let's Enough do them. Zach's. Enough Zach's for one week. Well, who knows? Maybe, I mean, no, let's be honest. After <laughs> week eight, neither of those Zach's are going to get a star. But yeah, you know. Hey, there's always surprises. All right, let's start off right now. Third star. From the 25, off the play fake, catch made by Algier. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, so my third star right there, uh, he he's back in. Tyler Algier of the Atlanta Falcons with his first career receiving touchdown, the 25-yard receiving touchdown that he had in the game. He had thir- uh, 14 carries for 39 yards. It was only 2.8 yards per carry, right? But he showed that when he's got space and he gets some momentum behind him, he's a very effective guy. And that little swing, it was a short pass. So it wasn't like – it was basically like a, a running play, right? He, he found – Found room, took off, showed his burst and his speed. He had three catches for 46 yards in the game with the touchdown. I like the way Tyler's um, touches and opportunities, the the snap counts, the, the excuse me, the, the number of snaps um, per game are going up steadily each week. And so yeah. I just like the way he's slowly finding this role with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I mean, Cordero Patterson, we talked about a few weeks ago when he went on IR, like that was the opportunity for – Tyler to compete with a fellow rookie on the, on the roster there. And it, like you mentioned, like his carries have gone up. It seems like he's kind of winning that battle, especially with his production on the field. He's had a couple of good weeks in a row now. So if he can keep that up, uh, I think that, you know, the Falcons are winning. They're leading the division right now. And if he's going to be a guy that can be a consistent producer for them, like he doesn't have to be a home run guy for them right now. He doesn't need to be that kind of explosive guy, but you know, if he's able to get, you know, 40 yards out of the backfield as a receiver, I mean, that's pretty impressive for a rookie running back to be able to put up that number. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that he gets in the end zone a little more, Sam, just for my own yeah, selfish right. reasons. Uh, I think it's more fun <laughs> on Sundays for me when he scores touchdowns, yes. but I will say that, you know, I'm impressed with him thus far. I think um, at least uh, it seems to me that in short yardage situations, if they get down there inside the, the seven, eight yard line that that would be a prime spot to get him into the offense. But, uh, you know, we'll see uh, how the Atlanta Falcons choose to use him. All right, let's move on to my number two star. Second star. Seventh rushing touchdown of the season for Jamal Williams. Williams, the running back on second and goal. Back to Williams with a block down. Williams scores the touchdown. Eighth rushing touchdown of the season for Jamal Williams. Tied for the most in the NFL. Okay, this week, my second star, he's back. BYU running back Jamal Williams, who's back in the end zone again. I mean, this guy is a scoring machine this season. Two more touchdowns, 10 carries for 53 yards, three receptions, 23 yards, the two touchdown runs. Um, 
my goodness, he is really finding a great fit with the Detroit Lions this season. Yeah. I mean, the fact is that he's the second leading touchdown scorer uh, in the NFL this season, non-quarterback, right? Like, I mean, that's impressive. Uh, He had that until Monday Night Football when Nick Chubb surpassed him because Nick Chubb had an awesome game on Monday Night Football. But Jamal Williams, I mean, he's had four four multi-touchdown games this season. And that's pretty hard to do in the NFL. I mean, like if you're if you're one of those guys, and it's not like Jamal isn't, you know, a guy that can go out and be a lead back. It's just that he's not like the top tier running back, right? Like he's not the Nick Chubbs. And right. I, I do think that he's surprised me a little bit this season, Sam, because I mentioned it to you earlier in the year that I'm like, I don't know when DeAndre Swift goes out if he's gonna be able to be the guy to go out and get you a hundred yards and two touchdowns a game. And he's proven me wrong like multiple times this year, uh, which has been pretty cool to watch. But I, I do think that now that Swift is kind of coming back, they're still going to utilize him on those goal line situations. It's just that, um, oh, what's his name? Dan Campbell, their head coach. He was a little ticked off two weeks ago when he fumbled on the goal line. And I was like, ah, oh, dang, Jamal's not going to get any playing time anymore this next week and then he was ended up being fine right like he scores two touchdowns and was their lead carrier again so I guess that Campbell wasn't too serious but uh yeah I'm just impressed with Jamal's ability to score it's cool to see him already have his career high this point in the season I think he got it in like week five and so being able to just have the rest of the year to be like hey you know I'm I'm proving myself that I can you know five six years into the league I can still be a really effective running back and I wouldn't be surprised if next season we see a little buzz with him for other teams, just because he isn't going to be the future lead back for Detroit. That that is DeAndre Swift, in my opinion. And so maybe there's a chance that he lands with some other team that's kind of looking for running back. So his fourth multi touch whatever multi touchdown, multiple touchdown rush, whatever it's yeah. called game through seven games he sets a Detroit Lions record for rushing touchdowns through seven games with eight breaking Barry Sanders and Billy (laughs) Sims I mean come on that is some pretty sweet hey they just announced that Barry Sanders is getting a trophy outside or a statue outside of Ford Field are we gonna put one of Jamal up next to him no the Barry Sanders trophy the the Barry Sanders trophy is being built right next to Jamal's trophy or statue sorry it goes the other way around huh yeah yeah the Jamal (laughs) statue is already uh yeah it's already there right no. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about where his future goes, too, because I think you're right. There will be teams lining up that will be interested in him as well. All right. Let's uh, go with the number one. First star. Let's go. Fifth Bengals drive of the game. They've thrown an interception and punted three times. So far, ball's out. Mixon trying to get on top of it. It's still out. Cleveland has it. And it looked like it was Taki Taki who, as he's going by, just gets his left hand on the ball right there instead of Garrett, who was next. And the number one star this week, Kyle, I think it was before last season that I said Sione Takitaki was going to be my breakout local athlete of the year, and he didn't quite do that. 
Maybe yeah. it's this year. Maybe I was just off by a year because on Monday night football <laughs> on Halloween, the guy was an absolute monster on the defensive side of the ball for the Cleveland Browns, a career high 13 tackles in the game had the strip sack of uh, Joe Burrow in that game. He's really coming on his, the, the, the number of snaps he's taking on the def- defensive side of the ball are shooting up week by week by week. I'll just go back the past three weeks, um, five tackles, one for loss, his first tackle for loss in the season. It was three weeks ago. The next week, eight tackles, a tackle for loss, and a QB hit. Monday night, 13 tackles, tackle for loss, the forced fumble, um, and and his uh, first sack of the season as well. So, And he played 85% of the defensive snaps for the Cleveland Browns. If that doesn't say trust, then I don't know what does. This is a guy who's just proving he's, he's hard work again is is uh, buying him opportunities to prove himself in the NFL and the Browns they're buying in and giving him the opportunities. And on Monday night, he's cap, he capitalized. Yeah. And how cool is the uh, celebration there with the uh, turnover bone on the sideline yeah. a shot of him? I was like, Oh yeah, give me that Monday night football. That, that was awesome. You know, Sione, I feel like it's been one of those situations where I felt like he was going to kind of dwindle out of Cleveland's, you know, defense and like, just be like, yeah, that just wasn't like a good landing spot for him. But like you said, like, it's kind of like where he he's made these plays the last couple of seasons where I'm like, oh, yeah, Sione's there. Like he's you look at his stats every week and like he's a solid guy for their defense. It's just like he's not putting up like Fred Warner numbers and like right. making those highlight plays. But I don't think he has to do that. I just think that like it it, it kind of got like goes unnoticed because he's just a consistent contributor who's not always making those like highlight plays, those turnovers. But you know, week in, week out, like he's he's one of those guys for the Browns that's like consistent and also helps when you win, right? Like, I mean, right. they just de- they destroyed the Bengals. And so, I mean, that was a good look for them on Monday Night Football in primetime. Well, I'm excited to see uh, if this is the beginning of great things for Sione, even if he is just that, like you said, kind of not the Fred Warner level, but he's that guy that's a solid contributor that's someone you need in your defense. That'll still buy him a long career in the NFL if he keeps keeps up what he's doing. So those are my three stars of the week. You can uh, – Jump on social if you want. Tell me if you agree or disagree with me. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Samsworth underscore KSL and at K Ireland, right? Uh, at Kyle Ireland, full name. Yeah. Oh, I lucked into that handle. I was chasing it for years, and I finally got it. At Kyle Ireland on on Twitter as well. Kyle, before we say goodbye, is there anything else I'm missing? Uh, I will just say this much. Uh, there's a couple of games that I'm excited to watch this weekend, Sam. Uh, the first one is probably the Bills versus the Jets on Sunday morning, just because that's going to be a big game for Zach Wilson, like we talked about. If he's yeah. able to beat the Jet or the Bills at home um, in in MetLife, that is, home for the, the New York Jets. But right. to have the number one team come in like that and uh, to be able to hand them a loss would be really big. And then Sunday night football – I'm just interested to see who's going to be playing for the Titans against the chiefs. Cause the chiefs, they've got the potential to just blow that game open. Um, Malik Willis, like he didn't do anything last week in his first start and Ryan Tannehill hasn't practiced uh, or he practiced on Wednesday, but he didn't practice on Thursday. So I'm interested to see if Malik Willis starts again. Um, I know that that's not a local situation. It's just my general right. NFL curiosity on Sunday night football there. See if Derek Henry can't, uh, bust out another huge game against that. Seriously. I don't know uh, that, that I, I like that game too, is just from a sheer entertainment standpoint, yeah. that's the game that kind of stood out to me too, as one that 
hopefully could kind of become one of those track meet type games uh, that just one team punch, you know, after, after another. And of course it's on KSL channel five and it leads right into uh, our shows on Sunday night. So we love that as well. A lot of buys this week, Sam, six teams on a buy. It's going to be a rough Sunday for us. I hate buys. I mean, I get it. You got to have them, but I hate buys. Like I'm dealing with it in fantasy this week. I've, you know, too many buys. Anyway, <laughs> amen to that. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that's uh, let's wrap let's wrap that up. That's the yards after college podcast once again with Kyle Ireland and uh, myself, Sam Farns. I'll tell you what, this has been a fun season. We're about at the halfway point, Kyle. Can't wait to see what the next half has for us, though.